0: <coughs> namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sampanno namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sampanno namo tassa bhagavato Arahato samma sambhottasa dhammam sangnam namasami um many of you seem to uh, appreciate dear. this is quite this practice is quite surprising it's a uh, new surprise every day isn't it it's surprising that uh, without things really being any different from how they are we can feel totally different about it sometimes uh, you know the way things are it seems very oppressive and and difficult and other times that the way things are even the, the very difficulty it's something that we, we look at with it from a, a a different viewpoint from a viewpoint that's calm and and and, and still it's this way and that uh, there's a surprising cause that that is surprising for us to to see that what we can what we can define our experience as does not have to change. Experience can be just the same old thing every day, or uh, we can be still the same per- kind of person, basically same old me, so forth, and yet. That can be a a breathtaking joke. It can be a a state of deep concern. It can be profoundly insightful. It can be calm. There can be this response to that. And this is where you... And this isn't something you you create. You don't create those things. These things start to uh, unravel and happen naturally. These are signs of a a, uh, of non-attachment, of a letting go. Letting go is quite a natural thing, if you just stay with uh, things uh, with good intention as best you can, then there comes a time when you've, you've run out of holding on, when in fact having exhausted every other possibility, you're left with some kind of enlightenment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Except that that we don't often know it as that. We because we, th- we think that enlightenment was something one kind of had or, or got to or somehow it created it or you know rather than it being uh, something that arose naturally almost almost despite ourselves. You know. And in a strange area, somehow the, the, our bodies are painful, you know, this way, that way, and so forth, our minds are silly, twittering, or, or intense, or, you know, we can say the same nasty things about ourselves, if we choose to, but we don't, there's this, strangely enough, that, that still remains completely possible but what becomes less possible is to actually believe in it or to take it seriously there's this growth in in an area that we didn't even realize there was an area to grow into reflection which to, to many people is, is reflection is what what is that? something you see in a mirror or you know, a figure in a car or what the the, the growth or where where our values, our practice adds up is in, is in this area, in the area of, of reflection, of non-attachment, of being able to view or see the whole process from an enlightened perspective, from a, a, a dispassionate or at least increasingly objective or dispassionate uh, uninvolved, unbiased uh, perspective. In another term, we can say it's the, the waning or the fading out of, of self-view, this habit of, of, of always identifying with things, with our experiences, with the experiences that happen through this body and mind. Now when I say that, even that's somewhat <coughs> uh, uh, difficult to get a feeling for identifying. It's not as if we're always going around saying, me, 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 me. This is mine. This is me. I'm this. I'm that. and the other. But the, if we want to know what identifying is as an experience, then um, look at something or, or experience how you feel about something that you, you very definitely feel you have or own. What that? How that? How you experience that? So your car. You know, you, I bought this car. It cost me so many thousand dollars. It's mine. You know, I don't. It's not anybody else's. It's mine. That, that feeling, right? Somebody scratches it and the nerves you know, scream, don't they? Or something gro- goes wrong in it and you feel despair. Because it's my car. And yet, yeah, if that was somebody else's car, you'd, you'd think, oh, cars are like that, aren't they? <laughs> they get beat up and they break down the way the cars are. They're all like that that that's the difference, isn't it? It could be the same car. What's the difference? One is one is me, mine, the other's yours <laughs> not me, not mine. And if somebody steals it. Or we can worry about it. Or we can compare it with other people, say, is this as good as man next door? What does this you know, what does this make me look like? Does this make me look like I'm a cheap cheap skate who can't get a decent car? or does it make me look like I'm kind of flashy and a show-off? In other words, this, all this is around self-consciousness. These kind of tendencies and habits and and a kind of intensity of view which creates all kinds of, of mind stuff. Worry, doubts, anxieties and so forth. Nervousness, over something that whether we're nervous about it, anxious about it or not, it's nature. If it's a car, it's going to get bashed, it's going to break down. That's not, you know, you don't have to be depressed by that, do you? you it's, you're depressed by it. If, you think it. if you think it should be otherwise, then it's a tragedy. But if You think, well, that's the way, you know, you can expect this thing to get you around reasonably well for a few years and then it's going to... Yeah, it's the way it is. Then one doesn't doesn't feel this is a morbid, sick kind of statement to make, or a, a manic-depressive statement, or that you, you've just got to go and deliberately bashing it, and saying, well, that's the way cars are, you know, put a few scratches on it to make it more, more real. So the, these are... Uh, you, you apply this to what I'm trying to explain the Buddha teaching, a non-self or self, and suffering and so forth. We're not making these into... These are, are things to contemplate. Like what does self-identification feel, feel like? And then how, how real is that? Is this a, a realistic... It may be something that, that happens a lot, but is, it any, is there any kind of reality to that? And we see that it's a habit that gets born, that gets imposed upon some things and not upon other things. And, and that, that it's not, there's no real selfhood in those terms, but that habit can find different things to latch onto, to project onto. And once we know that, then the, you have to bear in mind that there, at least there is the possibility of, uh, of not doing that. And in fact being able to unravel that habit to, to not need to do that. See, why why is it why is that the case? Why is that the habit to identify with things? To hold? And it's because of uh need to protect, defend, and so forth. Now, um certainly these but if we are, we can we can care for things and and look after things and protect things and help things without them having to be me and mine. If we if we are, we don't need that habit for that, really, do we? If we develop more more in terms of love and selflessness, then actually the usefulness of the of the self instinct is is nullified, and the the. The limitations of it—that it tends to create fear and jealousy and and stress—become apparent and not worth bothering with. And then these things are are seen through, put aside. Our our society is one very much that that tends to. Uh, isolate people in some ways you know a competitive one isn't it where there's only one winner and there's uh, you know we very much are encouraged to be individuals either uh, directly you know or or more subtly To be highly self-conscious, to, to make sure nobody puts one over on me, or uh, I get my rights, and, and, and you know I get my share, and so forth, I can say what I want to say and do what I want to do. And these are, um, when you look at them, in some ways, these are quite these are like good ideas, and they're certainly. Uh, it's not that you want to stop people doing that, but that we need to also grow beyond that. Not because we, we're not allowed to say what we want to say, do what we want to do, because we what we want to do and what we want to say is actually that which is for the welfare of others rather than just me, 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 me. And our concern becomes not purely what I've got to what well, I'm going to get out of life, or the way life's going to be for me, but perhaps more universal. What is the right thing to do? What is for the welfare? So, in in transcending self, would we not de- denying the rights of the individual, or the validity of personal viewpoints, or the 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 uh, values of of a high of a of independence, but seeing that if these don't have a higher aspiration they can lead us to just being cantankerous, pig-headed, uh, or, or trapped into our uh, an isolated and competitive and, and rather self-conscious and nervous about how we are and can we trust somebody else and, and uh, are we right? Do we have the right view, the right thought? Who's got the best religion and so forth? So this kind of, this heightened self-consciousness tends to spawn a great number of different ideologies and views, doesn't it? We all feel we, it's our right to have our own. Like in, in this century it's become Creating your own religion has become a kind of popular habit, <laughs> a new and better one than, than there ever was before. New forms, uh, new combinations. Now, now without denying the uh, people's freedom to do and to follow as they as they wish, then to see that there's a fundamental direction for human beings that means that we we don't need to get lost in the details the, the somewhat petty, uh, pettiness of purely self, of, of a view that's based upon its one's own feelings and moods the, the general overall what is for the general welfare and then we find there are um, things that we can all come to which are not ideologically that peculiar, like to do good, refrain from doing evil. Hardly a uh, unique statement. To, so that we, But if we actually use that, rather well, than think, well, I heard that one before. What about you know, new form? Or to do some things that are good but not others. or Some kind of special, original permutation upon that but the the individual permutations come not on the ideological level, but on the practical level, that we all have that, say that basic statement, and then what is good and bad at any time or place for this individual? What can I do that's good? Now do I think I should say, help the lepers or dig latrines in the third world or or smash up nuclear bombs, or build nuclear bombs, I'm sure. You know, they all say it's for the good, isn't it? So we have to know for ourselves by beginning to look into our own mind at what, what does good mean as, as, a, as an actual feeling. So it all comes down to basing it upon direct experience. What does holding on feel like? What does the self-consciousness feel like? What it, where is there stress? and suffering, where is there that which feels right, which feels good, which feels benevolent? And then these these simple statements and standards get translated into a very clearly tailored, uh, moment-by-moment, practice for all of us to be mindful, say. What does that mean? Mindfulness of the breath, the body, the mind? Satipatthana vipassana, samatha vipassana. You, know, you kind of get this garble of, of means and methods and techniques of, of being mindful. Well, you can say that they're, they're all all right, and and, and then you think, but which one? You know, which one now? But that's not something that you can really prescribe. You can say, there are, there are these are the means, and then the reflection this kind of overview into into uh, where is the mindfulness is for the clearing away of, of heedlessness. Where are we heedless? If you want to know how to practice mindfulness, know you can know where your heedlessness is or the carelessness. You think, well, I'm pretty sloppy at this, or I, I always miss that. Or, I get totally caught up into that. Then you've got some ideas of where to cultivate mindfulness you someone who's always doubting, or worrying. Or, you know, you know um, violent emotions, or you know, sleepy, or dull, or, or intolerant. Wherever there is, a, there is an obsession or something that's causing you pain, this is where to instill your mindfulness. Now, we, we're using these foundations as places to exercise the m- mindfulness, to exercise a noticing, observing, and uh, clarifying quality. And then we begin to consider ways of of using this on our uh, personal predicament. Mindfulness of the mind. Mindfulness of, of what's happening to us. And mindfulness is uh, the, when we recognise, through noticing, observing, where, where we're holding on or where the, there is suffering and then the, the response is one of, of, of letting go, of abandoning, of relaxing. So you get, you begin to understand a little more about uh, the use of, uh, of meditation, of meditation techniques, and a sense of enthusiasm that comes through the total responsibility that it applies to you, that it gives you. Now, when we say uh, cultivating selflessness, this doesn't mean a sort of a uniformity that we just blot out the personal, anybody's personal initiative, and no more self. Therefore, at nine o'clock, everybody will do this and do that and so forth. In a, even in a retreat situation, there are these 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 structures which you should make use of but these are just the outward structures and they, they're they there to to provide uh, a reference point but then the actual practice of where we're letting go, whether we are applying more effort and more energy or relaxing a little what we're actually cultivating is always the only teacher is, 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 is mindfulness, mindful reflection. And you can do that within any any form. No, no structure, no limitation, no restriction will stop you doing that. The only r- restriction that stops you from doing that is the restrictions that get created through attachment. And we can get, uh, we can find uh, uh, that habit of attachment occurring whether we're in a Structured situation or not in a structured situation, we we carry that around and get attached to structurelessness. because the these external structures no one's really attached to. I don't see anybody kind of feverishly Attached to the forms of a meditation retreat. But we do get feverishly attached to uh, <laughs> our, uh, our um, personality habits. As I don't say we're fond of them by saying we get attached to them. It's not that we love them or like them, but we, we, we get riveted to them. We find ourselves operating in the same habitual mode Now, with this path, also consider that, that attachment and non-attachment. Non-attachment is not a a, a shattering or of attachment. Is it? So that the one of the reactions that we can we can find in ourselves when we see ourselves going through the same habits day after day, or you can recognise of the formation coming up that the same old me for 10 years or, or so forth, that kind of feeling, here we go again. Uh, then there comes, a, when we identify with that, then there comes the desire to, to just stop it or annihilate it or despair or feeling oppressed by it. But non-attachment is recognizing this is a pattern, this is a, this is a tendency, it's like this and we begin to, to look at that, witness it, from a non-judgmental viewpoint. It's rather like seeing a, a film. You know, you've seen this plot, and in the end, the, the cowboy with the black Stetson gets shot, A man with the white Stetson rides off, and the barmaid, uh, Sits behind the bar drinking gin or whatever, and the, then the credits come up. And you've seen that once, and you, you had a good laugh and a good cry, and then you saw it again. And you think, yeah, it's quite a nice film. And then third time you saw it, and you thought, uh, yeah, it's quite good. It's quite a good movie. And fourth time you saw it, this flick really goes on, doesn't it? And fifth time, <laughs> don't they have anything else? And sixth time, I'm sick of this movie. And the seventh time. And He's got, you, know, you want to smash the screen the eighth time. You, you Maybe look the other way the ninth time, and so forth, till so eventually you, you kind of run out of every permutation of thing you can say, do, feel about it. And there's this: this is non-attachment. It's this way, and you neither know, like nor dislike. If you like it, you can know that you like it, but that's the way that is. If you dislike it, you dislike it. And so forth, you've seen that one. But you're no longer really going to, to hold on to anything that's just going to drag you into some uh, unpleasant feeling. It's going to make you suffer. Uh, and this is just a matter of, of time, really. You don't, you don't get non-attachment, it, it grows organically from being able to contemplate the attachments and the and the restrictions of our lives from a more say mature and patient perspective and rather than any particular thing we maybe think we may be attached to food or sleep or dancing or meditating or comfort or people or whatever. This is this is again a bit of a sidetrack if we start to, to declare war on the objects of our attachment. I'm so attached to this, therefore I'll give it up, stop it. Oh, you know I really like this man, so I' better shoot him or, or run away, get rid of my attachments. Because attachments are nasty and ugly and the It's the it's the the what is more closely recognized and more skillfully cultivated is to is to know that, that habit of attaching and how that very Idea is attachment to a view, isn't it? The view that you shouldn't have any attachments is a is for Buddhists a real source of attachment. So you really get stuck onto that one, because <laughs> <coughs> in some ways, it, it's as an idea, it's all right, but as a view, it's murder. That's what it sometimes seems like, taking a, a cleaver to your attachments. And so, but, for practicing and then it's the means of practice, this is, it requires faith, doesn't it? To actually just trust in the means of practice, is my means of practice, that which is wise, that which is patient, that which is, you know, has dharma in it, no matter what, no matter if I think I'm hopeless, or I think I'm, I'm I'm enlightened, or I've got horrible, nasty defilements and attachment. Is my means towards those that which is skillful, that which is insightful, or is it just a wild lashing out of despair, or fear, or hatred? Now, this is because this is what you, you you're cultivating, and then these other things, by their nature, they're changing and impermanent, and they will they will do that if you let let them do that. But as long as you're holding on to something, trying to chop it and just holding it down so you can chop it with your, with your cleaver, then you're holding it, aren't you? If you, let, if you, if you let, let it go, it will go. And letting go means putting aside the various kinds of, of identifying through fear, aversion, desire. In this retreat situation, it, the opportunities will will change. Uh, we we have to establish uh, a meditation theme and a and a, and a form, and um, and stay with it. In order to provide the place, if you want to reflect on something, you have to hold the mirror steady, don't you? There's no point just waving around all over the place to get a clear picture. But don't expect the, the picture to be a constant, Im- uh, one particular image, the picture will change. What's in there will change, no matter how hold, how still you hold the mirror, because you're reflecting upon life, the way you are, the results of having been born, of being a living Human being, not some abstract defined notion, which we, we normally carry around. I am, an, I am this, and we've got an idea of I'm a definitely a thing. You know, I've got a, this body; is a definitely a fixed thing, and I am this person. This is my name, and I have, I really have these are my habits. And it can tell you all about them. This is what I am. And these things, that's the the way that our brain operates, doesn't it It, it kind of holds, it attaches it it holds things into ideological uh, um, picture shots into into separate pictures. it doesn't it doesn't really know or 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 feel that the brain doesn't really relate to flow change relativity, yeah that comes from the from the heart but then when you when you looked just you consider what are you, and then uh, it's uh, the mind sort of reels, doesn't it? And if we've been meditating with a... uh, or just being attentive for a little while, then those statements have to be so qualified because we've seen so much of what we are. We've seen our... our rage, our confusion, our joy, our hope, our aspiration, our determining, our trying again, and or failing, or whatever we've seen so much that you can't make any final statement about what you are. You can't say I'm this or that, or I am, you know, a child of God, or any of these things. You really are, are finally not enough. Not there can be no true expression and in the as one so the the mind that's seeing past this identifying process begins to be silent, knowing that there's nothing that can be said finally, and in that we we can't complain about ourselves, really? You can't really say that you're all rotten and washed up. Because that's not true. You can't say that you, you know, you're an enlightened being and so forth. That doesn't sound right either. There are enlightened moments, moments of non-attachment and moments of delusion and there are, you know, there's that. So, it's not that we don't have these qualities or we're denying them or saying that they're they're of no use, but that we are actually honouring and respecting and giving space to even the irritation or the anger and frustration in our lives, as well as the happiness and the peacefulness and the love and the joy. We actually have to allow it all to be there one moment at a time as part of the flow. As our darkness and our light. Now, if you just think you're all uh, dark, and 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 uh, you need to to think again, I don't see anybody coming to a meditation retreat, living under restrictions, limitations, and mm. making an effort to to. Uh, Contemplate, because they're all dark. Nobody does that. You don't have to do this. Now, if that's your impression, then you have to think again and see that there's a there's a there's an attachment there. There's a holding on. There's a there's a fixing to a particular view, a negative view of yourself. You should be a little more. Learn to, to uh, express some kindness to yourself. At least some respect or tolerance. Because it's the, it's the other is just not true. <laughs> there is certainly a, a habit that we, we've grown into, to this habit of permanence, of fixity. There's a, kind of, there's a kind of inertia, a tendency to to look for fixity. It's just in our lives, I suppose, um, most of us unconsciously or consciously, we incline towards, well, let's get settled into something, let's you know, find my role or my position in life, or something that we can feel grounded in, role, position, place to live, or what I'm going to do, For say the person or people I'm going to live with, whether I'm going to be on my own, um, my what my general ideology will be, or my religion, something we look for some fixity. And when I began to meditate, that was my intention. I didn't really think of it like that. I thought, let's just get to a point where I. Get this life sorted out and get a clear idea of what I'm going to do. That's not too much to ask, is it? Now, I don't mind what it is, but let's, you know, get it together. Get my my head together. Sit, meditate, get tranquil, get calm, and then see, this is what I am destined to do. This is, you know, the great finger will come down to you, my son, Go this way, and I will know. And some kind of clear vision will come up. I don't like that fuzzy feeling of well, I could do this, but then maybe that would be nice. But then, if you do that, you can't really get into then. But he said, and, and he, she looks really happy doing that. And maybe I could, Why am I so so dithering? Why am I? I like to just kind of get it fixed. And don't have to think about it anymore, just do it. And stop all this dithering around and get to a, a good viewpoint. No, we're not going to meditate, oh this is the way, right, just get the breath going in, out, in, out, soon have it done. <laughs> <laughs> Got on to that one. Uh, concentrate, right. Oh, everything's coming clear now? Any moment now? Of course, I think as many of you, this is the first five minutes, right? Or <laughs> first minute. <laughs> and then, you know, there's a certain time when one thinks, Well, I'm progressing. You know, I can sit now for 15 minutes. Didn't used to be able to sit for three. Sit for 15 minutes, I'm getting better. And you know, I can get a few inhalations, a few exhalations, getting better, and so forth. Sooner or later, I'll have it totally unified, everything fixed, there'll be no more worry, no more doubt. No hesitations, none of those defilements, none of that kind of greed or fears coming up. Get all that ironed out, get it together. No. And uh, of course, it doesn't happen that way, at least it didn't happen for me. Way? A, no matter how hard one tries, there's always some knittering little I wonder if, and is this really right, and how much longer do I have to do this for? Is this it? Is this as good as it gets? Or then something kind of would happen, somebody would knock on the door and you'd, oh, you interrupted me, and your mind would go off. And then all the worrying about, I wonder what, if there's going to be something nice to eat tomorrow?" It's you know, simple, silly little things. or somebody you feel tired. There's always some little thing going wrong. He thought, "Well, I'll, I'll, you know, once that goes away, everything, I'll get rid of that, and everything will be all right. I'll get it really right." But there was always something happening, something going off somewhere, and there was that notion of of the totally unified idea, view, direction, purpose, role, position became rather misty, He's, he still didn't have any way of really dealing with, with thoughts because all I wanted to do was just to make them all stop so that I could you know, feel a sense of, 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 of oneness without really having to share my space at all with thoughts, feelings, emotions, doubts, possibilities, worries, other people, mosquitoes, sounds. You know, I didn't want to share with any, anything. I want to get this, my head together, just for me, on my own. Then, you know, none of these external stuff, that's their problem. But that, that felt very, very wrong too, and you can't just shut people out. We have to live in a, in a, a world, don't we? Not being able to kill mosquitoes. Not being able to, to, to stop traffic going by, you like to get a machine gun out and blast every truck off the road that disturb you. This man with a lawnmower buzzing past here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> disturbing me, boink, <laughs> in the afternoons. Go out there and the black fly crawl up your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Things are always disturbing me. Not getting my trip together because of things disturbing me, but I found that, that even in the most kind of refined situations, then the disturbance became internal, the, the thought, the memory of some kind, or doubt, or or even profound ripples of profound anguish, despair, and then the then the warrior. i not. This isn't. I'm not getting this together. You know. This is this is not working. No matter how I how do I try, this isn't working. <laughs> so i going. What can I do about it? Because somehow, or another it was still very real. There was a realism to it. It was true. It certainly was truly wasn't working. And that the one recognised any kind of idea the one had about. The way it is or what the truth really is came and went. Sometimes I'd be walking up and down and get some insight. This is it. What the truth is, you know, I write it down. That's it. Here it is. (laughs) (laughs) And the next day I look at it rubbish, you know. (laughs) Really it's, and then uh, kinda of, they like to kind of write down a whole thing, a whole list, and these kind of blinding revelations and pages going by. And then you find that just if, occupying oneself with that habit meant that you, your mind was always thinking. So you start giving yourself dumber talks, walking up and down, oh, be patient, mindful, awareness of totality of oneness of the universe, and, and ever-loving peace and... <laughs> So even even the right right view and right understanding gets to be a drag <laughs> you know, if it's if it's uh, you know, if it's if it's held as a as a as a viewpoint that you, you think well no, once I've got it all kind of in there get all this Buddhism Dharma meditation in there hold it in there right then I'll have it together but even when it all got in there. It still wasn't together, because there's something in you didn't, you know, felt so kind of agitated and and confused by all these these ideas and thoughts, and then every one of them just kind of melted like snowflakes. Anyway, the oneness, the oneness of the universe and the totality of it all, bullshit. (laughs) Platitudes you come out with, and these moments you get all misty-eyed. You you come up with these platitudes (laughs) because all of the most blinding revelations. Still, when you stubbed your toe on the step, you still cursed. When you, you know, when the food didn't turn up on time, you still got agitated and annoyed. Or and all these things that suddenly made all your profound, dumber revelations seem pretty. Really foolish. Uh, the see that fundamentally the process is a growth in a different way. It's not. It's as I've said before. It, it's not about. It's not an acquiring thing. It's a constant letting go, abandoning thing. Now this doesn't mean any kind, anything negative about abandoning, because what you're abandoning are things that you have to hold through stress, that have to be you know, remembered and, and, and hung on to and fretted over and worried about, and you know, that actually are by themselves not, not peaceful or satisfying. Peace isn't something you can hold. You don't get peace, you, you, you give peace to that which is not peaceful. Here, give it away. Now, trying to find a, a viewpoint is is a, is not a, not a a truthful thing. It's not a it's not a, a Dharmic thing. We find that that doesn't really bring us peace of mind because it's a hell, isn't it? There's not no, and the truth of, of life really is that it's all an enormous gift. It's all, it's all given. Things arise. We don't create anything. Things ar- arise. Uh, thoughts arise. You think, oh, I had a great idea. Means an idea came to me. You know, it r- arose, didn't it? This is what we know when we look at it directly. I, think I got happiness. Means that a happy feeling arose. I am depressed means a de- uh, depressed state arose. I have attachments means what? Mm-hmm. Means that there's a a recognition of of holding on, and that to say I have attachments means there's a possibility of of understanding then. If we recognise there's something in me that knows this is an attachment. So this is good to know that. I mean once there's a knowing of that, then that knowing thought, okay, this is where you have to work. Rather than despair or, or, or make a person out of it. I'm an attached person, I'm just permanently attached, and I can't shake it off a door. You can't from the person personality viewpoint. But from the uh, viewpoint of Dhamma, there is an attachment, there is that which knows attachment. Okay, then this is a, p- a point for growth for us in this Dhamma, in this training. Let's look at this, let's go into this. It's How do we balance out? What do we, why do we need to hold on? Is there fear? Need? Can we compensate for that? Hmm? Defensiveness, are we frightened? Do we feel we have to become something and compete with others? And all these things are, are the fundamentals of attachment, aren't they? So, the uh, Dhamma is this incredible benevolence to, to relax our needs for to hold on even to know what one is anymore, or whether one's getting anywhere anymore, you know, Okay, you don't have to succeed, oh my goodness of that. <laughs> you're not saying, you know, you're a failure, but it, taking the pressure off constantly is the, is, is the practice of Dhamma, as a practice. Uh, this quality, or we we begin to uh, look at the not what we're attached to, but the very action, how it happens, what it is, why it is, the need to to be, to become, to to have, to hold, to name, to know this 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 ease from a kind of, a kind of lack of trust or not really having, uh, being, uh, feeling confident enough to let it all go. Because we, if we let things go We may think it would just be nothing, annihilation, nihilism. That means get rid of everything, let things go, just kind of collapse into a slithering heap of formlessness. But what happens when you you let something go, means there is, it doesn't mean an annihilation of things, it means there's a stepping back to the point where we can, it's rather like when you're driving a car, uh, if you're just tightly clenched onto onto the wheel and you're just never gonna move it. You sooner later like you're gonna hit a wall. The right way is, is straight ahead. You know. When I when I went out of the drive, the right way is straight ahead. So let's say I'm going straight ahead forever. This is my view. Hold, hold, hold. I'm gonna be very determined, no matter what the road does, I'm gonna stay straight ahead. You know, diligent. <laughs> The last and strain to a tree. Yeah, but if it's, it's not non attachment, we. Okay, it's this way, it's left, right, right, a bit quicker, quicker, okay, slow down, right, left, okay, now it's straight, now gently left. It's this there's a possibility there, isn't it? The potential. And it's better to do that than to say, in 50 yards turn left, and in 51 yards. Do a weave round a hedgehog that's coming, it'll be coming to the middle of the road then. And at at yard 73, you might need to slow down because an old lady generally makes her way across. If we say just be mindful, and and actually, that's a far more accurate description than than a whole pre planned ideology of what to do. Let's get in the car, don't hold on too tight, keep your eyes open be ready for anything (coughs) know that basically you don't want to knock anything down and you want to get to where you're going and then these we see when we get this kind of larger idea or or reflection then then certainly we can use techniques, methods, means and so forth to, to achieve our goal, you can't do it without them you need to be able to operate the the system, the machine, but, but to to operate it rather than, than just hold it. I, I found that uh, like insecurity and instability never quite knowing was something that uh, was first of all seemed to be uh, a lack of clarity But finally, I realised that that I could see there was in me a lot of of uh, aversion or intolerance of the of the of that of things not never being totally one thing or another of the of the mixed nature, the mingled na- the mingled qualities of one's life. There was always something in me that wanted to just iron out all the the other bits and just have the one thing that I liked, the bright, clear, strong, purposeful, and so forth. Now I found that, that finally I had to consciously accept the insecurity and begin to see it as my friend and teacher that helped to wean me from opinionatedness, from in- intolerance and from a, from a judgmental attitude, was to become very insecure. Not frightened, insecure, but insecure the way that a true tightrope walker is insecure. They have to just stay in that balance. And this is not um, a matter of, of say just an external form that we have to then give up our property, our possessions to become totally insecure. Because the we can be we can be Because life is changing, and the insecurity is present with us, whatever our position. You know, how many people feel really secure when they've got a job, they've been in for 20 years, a house and so forth? It sounds like total security, doesn't it? But inside there's the, am I doing the right thing? Is it this way? Should I be doing that? Should I give it all up? Should I, You know, insecurity right there. And one can feel so irritated and impatient with oneself for that. But this is the way it is. So we, we, we we're open to that. It is insecure. And it must bring forth an attitude of that cooperates, that, that responds to that by no longer seeking a viewpoint, a security, something to hold on to. psychologically. So we begin to how do I do that? Do I just force myself to give everything up? Or do I make it so that I no longer need to because there's enough trust, self-respect, love for where I'm at, just by by being around, that I no longer need things to hold on to? That seems to be a, a more sane, and purposeful way to do it. When we, we use these meditation means these are reducing our world considerably aren't they? really just being with the body reduces our world to, to a very few elements. the day we're talking about they looking at the body as, uh, as uh, four elements. Using meditation themes as, as in a simple elemental way, and then you're always when you know if you if you if your world becomes a a symbol, then you always have these reference points you're always with the earth aren't you there's always the earth there's always the mother earth, whether you're standing here or standing there or lying down you have contact with the mother, the feeling of I'm really in the same place. In the same place, here is the earth element, here is the movement, here is the warmth or the moisture, so forth. When we're using breath then wherever we are we know essentially I'm in the same place but the landscape has changed. I've got my reference point as the in-breath, the out-breath, begin again, so forth. So we. These are points which we can use to give us a sense of of position that is not is not an attachment. You don't you don't find yourself attached to the, to the to to the breath, but as a reference point. So you then you look into the mystery and the change and the flow and the tendency to form opinions and judgments and hopes and despair think oh that's that isn't it that's the changing world that's the world of, of sentient beings of samsara the way it is and there's a no need to make anything of that or to 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 avoid it, but to to see it that way, and that this is the view or the the way of of relating that means that this no longer becomes a problem to us. There's always going to be the possibility of what might happen tomorrow, the potential for uh, love or hate right now, isn't there? But the possibilities are whatever your mind can create this time. That's the way it is. But when you have the right view you know that and there can be a refraining or no longer the inclination to out of fear or mistrust to create these disturbing images of oneself, or what one should and shouldn't be, and what will happen if, and that one isn't getting anywhere, whatever—we don't need to do that. Those are those are painful and of no purpose, are they? Like even if, say, we we all, we're going to drop dead tomorrow, right? then what value is it saying, we're all going to drop dead tomorrow, therefore no, you know, what's the point, it's all miserable, no point in anything, what value is that for our lives at this time? And when you think that all you can do really is die, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if it, when it comes down to it, the, the kind of the final thing, the inevitable thing, the thing that perhaps is most, we consider as the most totally horrible thing, it's a that's all that's going to happen. It's going to happen anyway. And then, you, so what? What now? Of what use is there to be to to create anything out of that? I know right now that it's, I, I'm going to die. It's going to happen. And, but there's need There's no despair about that. Is it? This means, in fact, that my life at this moment is set free. this moment, this moment then, could be the last. Theoretically, you know, this could be the last night, couldn't it? So what do you want to do in the last night? Right. What a, well, in the last night, let's make it a really good night, okay? Last night of our life. <laughs> <laughs> Cut off in midstream. There's a total freedom there, isn't there? Mm. This is, say, the last night. Mm. Don't have to attain anything. Phew. Don't have to solve anything, sort anything out. Huh. Don't have to get rid of my problems. Mm. Enjoy my problems. My problems, one last fling. <laughs> <laughs> Bring them out for one laugh of honor. And then suddenly, th- it's still the same, isn't it? Yeah. But what's, what's changed? Is it that you've, you've granted yourself the freedom to know things as they are, without this, this idea of it has to get to somewhere, to a point, so that I can feel I'm alright, and I've got done the right, and I've become something, all that self-consciousness. In in um, in Dhamma, we sometimes we just even reflect upon that. Buddhists bring up the reflection on, on death, not so at a morbid morbid desire to feel depressed, but as a kind of something that jogs the perceptions out of this this uh, endless world of samsara. Of creating the if only and maybe I could and should I do this and what if that, we bring up the reflection that you know today tonight could be the last night. A very uh, helpful one actually. We f- we think ah oh, forgive everybody, you know whatever it's okay been okay with me let's not have any grudges. You know forgive everybody everything even <laughs> that one. And then myself. Well, I, you know, I didn't do so good, but okay, I was all right, I suppose. You know, I like, I liked my mother, and uh, yeah, I was good to my dog. Okay, few good things there. So the growth and change. You know in strange ways, surprising ways, just by a, a shift of perception. There's no, we haven't really um, you know, done anything, sold anything, become anything, sorted anything out, keep anything, we've just actually shifted the way of, of perceiving. With this, um, And then we recognize, well, you know, life is a bit rough for all of us actually. And, okay get it in balance. The Dhamma, this is called Right, right View, the the or wisdom. when we, in the Eightfold Path, Right View gives us Right Intention. Well, what is possible then? At least I will, from this moment, I will try to sustain what is good in myself a little bit more, begin again, so forth. Right intention. And however we do that through body, speech, mind, whether working, meditating, eating, relaxing or whatever, we think that's my intention. Right speech. We say things that, try and train oneself to say things that are are say, more pleasing, more helpful. Just doing that much, and do that. Or right action, refraining from things that harm or hurt others. And livelihood, and, and the meditation, concentration, and mindfulness uh, brings us back to, to seeing more clearly, right view again. So the whole thing just goes round, and round, the Dhamma wheel turns, and this is uh, the, the growth. We're not looking for it's not like a ladder that you start off at the bottom, you know, okay, do the boring stuff, you know, be good, okay, you've done that, right speech, yeah, right, and get to the really interesting you know, samadhi, <laughs> top of the rung, that's it, you know, you get to the spacey stuff where everything stops and you get to the void and all the answers and the problems pass away and just crystal clear that's where I want to be, the top. When, and, but actually the path, when you get to the top, then you, you just go round and right view means be more patient, recognize life is unsatisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> and yet there's a, there's a great change in us through Dhamma, through traveling this wheel of Dhamma, there's a great change in us that we wouldn't have expected because we think in linear terms and in terms of fixity, in terms of permanence, and in terms of, of going from this point to that point, rather than being at this point now, letting things change, cultivating that which is, allows things to change, bringing peace into the world. Giving peace to that in us which is not peaceful, giving space to that in us which is obstructed, giving freedom to that in us which is bound and tied and painful. So, I'll end this evening's talk at this point. Um, if you like to take a break and uh, we can have another sitting.